Hey there, welcome to the show. Wow, can you believe it? Here we are, you know, we're just flying through November and uh, what is in the horizon for real estate? I don't know, there's lots to talk about today and you know what, instead of me just blabbering on about it all the time, I figured I'd better bring in two of my best guests that I could. I've got Dave Butler from BM Select Broker Owner and I've got Bryn Lackey. Bryn is also a real estate professional with Chestnut Park. You can catch her column in the Toronto Sun. I'm going to be referring to that a few times today, Bryn. So oh. the two of you, well, welcome. Like this is, this is great. I've never had the two of you in the studio at the same time. No, here we are. Yeah, no, this is good. Actually, I was reading Bryn's articles on the way here. So. Oh. <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh, dear. Oh, boy. Okay. No, I thought so, they were great. I, ding, I, ding, I, ding, ding. No. <laughs> so today's going to be a lot of fun, folks. And um, as, I, as, as you know, I try to keep everybody up to date on what's going on. Here we are, mid-November. And, uh, you know, U.S. elections, you know, it, it, boy, do they ever take a long time to decide who's going to win. You know, they keep, keep dragging it out. You know, you can turn around and, and, and find out who wins the Powerball, uh, you know, within seconds, how come they can't figure out who's going to be the leader? You know, this is the, this is the kind of stuff that just, you know, I, I, I sit up at night going, they can't figure this out, eh? Well, we'll see. Anyway, so um, as I mentioned, uh, two great guests joining me. We may as well start it off. Bryn, you know, I am going to, uh, I am going to go to a couple of your columns this week uh, just to kind of get, get the, uh, the atmosphere opened up here. So how about we go with the one column that you did throw out there. Bank of Canada seems intent on blowing up the economy in order to put it back together. I love when you have them in your hand. <laughs> Refer back to this is my, I get worried. Um, okay, what specific? Well, yeah. I mean, I think the headline aside, I think my point in that one was that I think there are a lot of people who thought, you know what, the Bank of Canada is going to be really gentle with the rate hikes. They don't want to do anything to disturb the housing market. People are over leveraged. Like we can count on them not to blow things up. And I think that what has been revealed over the last several months is that that doesn't appear to be a consideration i think in following the fed they've made it clear that they're perfectly willing to allow some you know pain along the way and so i think that's sort of what we're seeing now so this is normally when i jump up and down and say you're kidding me the government lied to us because you know dave and i talked about this last year um, a fair bit and you know they were encouraging people hey borrow lots of money when we raise interest rates we're going to take it nice and easy on you i mean dave you remember that we had a conversation where we were sure tiff macklin came in you know riding the white horse saying don't worry, folks. I'll make sure we only raise it by a quarter point so you can adjust. Yeah. Well, what was it? Uh, the promise was 2023. Was uh, Rates ah. will stay. Canadians and business owners can rest assured rates will stay low until 2023. And here we are now. Like, right? so. You thought that he was going to regret saying that you know inflation was transitory. I think that will be in his epitaph. Like this man <laughs> should just change his name. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, here's, here's the thing, though. We got to take a hard look at this because, you know, so... They, they, they started talking again about the fact that they're going to kind of slow it down. Even the U.S. Fed has mentioned that they think that they're coming to the end of inflation. So maybe they're going to, you know, kind of put in check the, the interest rates, meaning not going any further. Do we believe them? Um, Brent, I'll start with you. I mean, here we go. The government tells us one thing, does another. Now they're telling us, hey, look, we might be topping out. Do we believe anything out of their mouths? I mean, the most charitable um, explanation would be that when you have more information, you act accordingly. So from this perspective, from this position, with everything in front of them, this seems the rate hiking cycle is probably coming to an end. But, you know, it, 
if the war in Ukraine changes, if, you know, suddenly the oil producing countries limit production, like any of those things are the wild cards. So I think that at this point, making promises is a fool's errand. I think that you should just be saying, given all the information, all the variables we, ha we can wrap our arms around right now, here is where we are. And I think that anybody attempting to you know, extrapolate from these words any sort of guarantee or promise, I think that we now, just in case we didn't already know, um, it, we have proof positive that they will pivot if they need to pivot, if they feel they're compelled to pivot. So, you know, Bryn makes a good point, Dave, you know, and, and it's sort of like buyer beware right now. And I would have to say and caution people, you know, when taking a look at borrowing and of course, you know, you're always my go-to guy to talk about mortgages, but you know, right now, what are you, what are you telling people? Um, I'm telling them don't listen. Uh, I'm telling them follow, follow what I think is, is, is going to be the canary in the coal mine. And I know I've said this before, but I think I'm, I'm following the bond yields. I mean, that's to me, institutional, you know, the trillion dollar institutional capital is going to lead the way in terms of the information. Um, so for us, you know, I, every day, first thing I do, wake up, check as soon as the bond yields, the market opens, I'm checking those. End of the day, four o'clock, I'm looking at where they are. Um, Thursday, we saw, you know, huge reaction to the US CPI print um, beating expectation. I mean, they, I don't think they said expectations too tall there, but um, <laughs> they, they, they beat it and the stock market and the bond yields reacted in kind, right? We saw, I saw what, a 5% move on the mm -hmm. S&P 500, which I don't think I've seen even during COVID on the upward side, at least. And uh, we saw, I, I mean, I think when I was on the show last time, I talked about there was a CPI, uh, when the Canadian CPI came out, the bond yields had came down about five, 6% a day. And we thought that was huge. Yesterday was 8% on the five-year. So, I mean, we're seeing big red bars at certain times and then we're seeing it obviously test. But, you know, I, again, to answer the question, I'm, I'm keeping my eye on the CPI print. I think that's going to be the canary in the coal mine. It's going to give us the information we need. Right. So, you know, you and I have talked about this a fair bit. And as we ease into the winter months, you know, um, we, we have to take a look at how are people going to be viewing mortgage rates and where are the discounts going to come from? So when, when we talk about the variable, of course, that's the, the Bank of Canada rate that they're posting. When we talk about the fix that, as Dave has alluded to, is the bond, bond yield when we take a look at the, that marketplace. Dave, when you take a look at the potential of the winter slash coming into the spring market, you know, you know, I've talked about this for years. Uh, Bryn, you haven't, haven't probably been listening to the show for years, but I'll throw it out there. Dave and I, every, every season talk about you know the discounting and we've watched a lot of the lenders they all they want to buy the business like most people do in the spring market dave what what can people actually kind of look forward to um i think see i mean when we talked about it last year and even the year before in 2020 that was when we were pure you know right into the heart of COVID, right so i mean it didn't actually happen the way you know normally would have thought but that kind of makes sense 2021 we saw a little bit of it but we were such it was such a heated market it didn't seem like a lender really needed to bump in and steal some steal some business Whereas this year, I think if any year it's going to happen in the, in the last three years, it's going to come up in the spring of 2023. Now, again, a lot of that's going to depend on CPI, Bank of Canada, everything else. But um, I think there's a really, really good shot. You're going to see a bank, assuming that we get some stability on some stability. I'm not talking about rates going down. I'm talking about some stability. Uh, maybe see if we are closer to the top. I definitely think you're going to see like a BMO or someone come in. And I, and, but we actually saw someone try to do it, you and I, recently. It yeah. was the HSBC. Yep. HSBC came in, I think it was just near the end of the summer when uh, it looked like the bond yields were going to start to reverse course. 
and they got looked to be fools, right? I mean, they dropped their five-year to 4.74, and then they had to do a reverse on that. So we saw a pivot from them. Hopefully, we'll see a pivot from Bank of Canada at some point. The new word. <laughs> what, pivot? The pivot. There are so many people praying for pivots these days. Yep. Yeah, and, and Bryn, you know, when, we, when, when Dave and I have looked at this over the years, you know, again, and you're being, you know, in the real estate industry a lot, you take a look at it, and, you know, we used to have a cycle in real estate, and I think the pandemic kind of blew that cycle out of the water. Because, you know, when I was in, you know, being a practitioner there, it was sort of like, you know, everybody ramped up for the spring market, you know, everybody goes, you know, all to the wall till, till, you know, the summertime, everybody takes the summer off, everybody closes their property, you know, realtors always, I, I always use this expression, I always get a kick out of it, you know, they always get back on track, right? So, so they get through, <laughs> they get through, they get through the holiday season and all of a sudden all you hear is like, well, I got to get back on track. Yeah. All of a sudden it's like, it's like they have this pause, <laughs> Right. And it's, it's not just the buyers, it's actually the realtors. They kind of, you know, they, they go fast and furious through the spring market, kind of cruise a little through the summer, add a little bit more to the fall, wait for, you know, the holiday season to be passed. Um, you know, for yourself, looking at the industry, you know, do you think we're going to get back to kind of a normal cycle in the market? Cause you know, cause it's been the last couple of years, it's been upside down. It has been upside down. And I actually think even prior to that, we were, because everything was so supply driven that buyers especially trying to get into the market, they were looking year round. If they were sitting there feeling like they were growing out of their house, so their baby was going to be born, you know, they were looking in the dead of summer. They were looking on Christmas day. I remember I was doing, I literally was doing an offer on Christmas Eve one year and that was well before COVID. So I think that in some ways people have been conditioned to you go where the houses are because we've had such a short supply of housing. Um, I do think that we're seeing now a lot of people, a lot of to your point, you know, I think a lot of agents are, you know, digging the receipts out from under their seat car, you know, their car seats now, as opposed to it just being a January thing. I think a lot of people are getting their ducks in a row. Um, I think that as we come to some stability, to your point, Dave, like I think that's exactly, I don't think buyers necessarily need to see rates come down. I think they need to see stability return. And once, um, you know, we can sort of extrapolate from that, that this is going to be new normal, whatever that is. And we've had a few iterations of new normal since COVID. Yeah. Um, I think you'll see people willing to list their house. I think you'll see buyers willing to participate because I think there are a lot of people standing back just to watch. So once that happens and once supply returns, I think then we'll see the rhythms. But it's really hard to predict if it's going to become a seasonal thing because there will be a lot of agents who have been waiting for deals. There will be a lot of buyers who have still been growing out of their house, who have babies in the den of the condo. Yep. And they're going to buy whenever they can find the home. Yeah. And and I think you make a good point. You know, a lot of people are sitting on their hands right now. And in, I think in the guise of real estate, just in general, we've watched the ramp up over the last few years that, you know, anytime we put a pause in the market, you, you know, people get that itchy foot. They, they, they need to get into the market. And they're, they're the people that are the first time home buyers. And then, as you mentioned, the people that are going to be the move up buyers. This is the kind of thing that we've got to be mindful of that. Yeah, you can pause a market, but for only so long, it's not similar to the, uh, to the market that we were taking a look at, let's say back in the 1990s. And speaking of, I'm probably the only one in this room right now that can speak to 
that market because y'all are so young <laughs> that there's no way that you were part of it, but I was. So folks, when we come back from the break, I'm actually going to, uh, I'm going to come do a little comparison with the group here from the 1989-90 crash. And uh, let's see if, uh, let's see if I'm too far off with this. By the way, uh, if you want to, uh, if you want to connect, you can reach out to me on Instagram, the simple investor one, and I'll be right back with Dave Butler and Bryn Lackey. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, and welcome back. So my guests this hour, Bryn Lackey, Dave Butler, you know, no strangers to the show here. And I figured I'd bring the two of them in at the same time and just have a, you know, a really good uh, discussion. We were chatting, you know, obviously about what the, what the bank's doing uh, just before the break. And uh, Bryn, you know, I did bring up you know, the 1990s. And, you know, I, I watched both yours and Dave's eyes gloss over because I'm, I'm the only person old enough here to have lived through that market and actually been, you know, transacting in that market. So, you know, here's here's some interesting things, though. And, and I, I thought I'd bring it up because I saw a neat article where they said, Are, can we compare this current existing market with, you know, adjustments as the same as 90s? Well, here's, here's a couple things that most people don't and, and, and aren't aware of. The run-up was was you know fairly lengthy in the '90s, and and, and I'll, I'll refer to 1989. But one of the things that uh, was happening was they did have the you know people would show up at the end of a driveway, somebody would buy, come out of the come out of the house, and then somebody would buy it from them, and they kept bidding it up, bidding it up, bidding it up because there was a huge speculation in the marketplace. But the problem was is that there wasn't that many buyers, and we had a lot greater unemployment, and our interest rates were massive in comparison to what they are today. So, you know, when you're talking about 12 and 15% interest rates, you've got almost double digit unemployment. And, you know, the, people were hopping on that bandwagon. It almost was like that tiny little spike we felt this year in, in February. You know, I would say that we're nowhere near what, you know, we would be looking at when that market did crash, because it was a true crash. Uh, you know, we didn't have immigration wide open to the floor back then, you know, now, and, and, and by the way, we still had all the trades that could build. You know, we weren't, we didn't have the huge condo push because Bob Ray was the one who took the condo market into full swing when he turned around and put rent control back in 1988, right? So, so this is, this is the thing. So we, we, we've got a completely different mindset. So when people are trying to draw the comparisons, there really is no comparison. Um, and, and the reason why I bring all of this up, Bryn, is to talk about another one of your articles where you turn around and she's going, man, that was a huge uh -oh. introduction for this. Where, <laughs> where is, is the market a, a correction or a crash? And, and you mentioned that it might be closer to a crash. I mean, so I will say I don't write the headlines. So some days <laughs> someone sends me one of my columns and I go, oh my gosh, look at the headline. Um, I think I referred in there to, I, what is the metric of crash? Is it 20% from peak to trough? 30. It's 30. Okay. Yeah. A true real estate crash is 30. Okay. So <clears throat> I think I just referred to the fact that, you know, we are seeing such a huge shift. I think in Halton, we're seeing prices, you know, down almost 40% from the peak. But, that, so, but there, there's the measuring problem, right? Because in, in Halton, it's 5.7 year over year only in a few areas. So there, there's, there's where the metrics where when we talked about the crash year over year in, let's say, you know, 1990, mm -hmm. it was year over year, 30, 35%. Mm -hmm. We're know? not talking from the peak though in Halton. Like one of the stats I saw was, um, from peak to, and if we're calling this a trial, I don't know if we're in the trough, but, um, whether this is a crash or a correction, I think 
it, it is almost a semantic distinction in some ways because for people who bought it at the peak and they're sitting there with <clears throat> very bright mortgages and they were buying at a time when, you know, and I often talk about this, like it's, it's been very hard to make a bad decision in real estate in, yep. you know, in certainly in the GTA, yeah. um, any, you could buy a house, get a job transfer, sell your house. Yeah. That absorbs all the fees and you make a nice little profit. Um, I think when you think back to, um, the eight, late eighties, nineties, I think back to my parents when, you know, there were people that it literally was flat until the early two thousands. Like that's when they sold, they sold after, you know, they broke even 10, ten year recovery. Yeah. So I think in some ways it's a, it's a completely different metric. I think that to your point, it's, it's almost hard. It's almost impossible to compare the two. And yet you have a lot of the bears sort of sitting there going, let's look at this. Like it's, we, it, we didn't have, it wasn't the economic center at the time. Yep. We didn't have, um, the tech element. We didn't have immigration. We didn't have, like, it was a sleepy little Canadian city that has some great things going, but it's, we're just so further along now yep. that all of these things, I think certainly bolster whatever is going on, um, such that, you know, could, could it be that again? I don't know, but you know, I, I, I certainly think that whatever is going to happen, the recovery will be upon us. You know, it's, well, it's not I, like the turnaround, that. I think the turnaround will be much faster. You know, it's not, gonna, it's not going to take the 10 years. I think if anything, you know, I almost want to say 10 months, but you know, I don't want people to get too, too carried away, but I think the turnaround is going to be really quick. Dave, you and I've talked about this a fair bit lately and you know, the measuring tape when everybody says the peak of the market, that. I, I call it a false peak because it was just, and, and you were living and breathing this so with, with, with your team, right? Because you were working with financing, but anybody that bought literally in two weeks in February, they, they, they paid the highest price, but that price wasn't the same in January or December. Like it was just this weird spike. And unfortunately, you know, and, and that was a very small part of the overall market that overpaid at the time, and they did overpay. Like, let, let's be yeah. honest, it was just nuts. You know, maybe maybe you can kind of you know shed a little bit of light on that because again, you you're you're the one who's working with the lending. Well, let's I I, I to your point, I that February was definitely a false top because let's look at September to about February. Look at every the last twenty years and look at what real estate activity would have been from September to February. Even push it out to March if you want. Look at the activity and then look at what we just went through in 2021 to 2022. That, that six months was, I can say without a doubt, the craziest thing I've ever been a part of in 20 years. So I think where it's going to be different is that we didn't have that. I don't think you had that parabolic crazy move back in the late 80s, early 90s. I think you had, you had a kind of a gradual run up, steep but it was gradual. You didn't have the parabolica that we saw in those six months. And it was crazy. I mean, February, I had people putting in offers and they're like, can I go 300 over list? It's like, whoa, whoa, what the, where's the market here? What happened? So, um, yeah, no, I think to your point and to both your points, I think, you know, if you look at February as the top, it's definitely, you're going to see some really accentuated moves, you know, from peak to trough. I think, you know, a lot of times, and I think I've even saw in one of the reports I was reading, they actually compared the February, but then they said, but if you compare it to September, October, it's actually up, right? Yep. So yep. I think that's where we need to, you know, yes, peak to trough when they're looking at, you know, calling crashes, all that fun stuff. Um, I think that six months was just something that we can't really count. That price action there was just so ridiculous. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think I've even gone on record on your show saying I think this will be always thought of as the real estate flash crash of 2022, 2023. I think that's that's my big, that's there my new go. call. Yeah, flash There's a crash. New Heard it here first. Yeah. No, but that makes sense. But the funny thing is I'm pretty measured and conservative with this stuff. Like I yeah, think yeah. Oh, I know. You're, 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 you're just <laughs> looking at me and go, oh, here she goes. I mean, I'm very cautious with this because to me, what's there are enough when you're actually, I and mean, I think it's because I'm dealing with buyers. And in the same way that you're dealing with buyers and you're dealing with people who are absolutely impacted by these decisions here and now and in the daily. Um, I'm sitting here going, yeah, like what is the, you know, what is the harm in being cautious? And um, do I think, I, I think a flash crash makes perfect sense. If you go back to March, 2020, we all thought it was end of days. I mean, it, it, it kind of was. Like, sure. things were boarded up. Yep. So fine. Yep. So, like, everything else was awful. So why wouldn't the crash be upon us? No one thought that there would be a recovery like that. And granted, it was bolstered by free money, sure. Um, but I think we have seen time and time and time again that everything that should be, every outcome one would expect, like very intelligent, educated people who have been right, you know, time and time again, have called it wrong. So that's the thing. I, and this is where like I've had, and I will say this full disclosure, you know, I have buyers who have been buying, like I have had a very busy year. And so I'm not telling people to sit at home with their, you know, in their bomb shelters. I'm saying just, you know, just tread carefully because I think that when you look at February, there was so much froth. And I think part of that froth was there was FOMO, sure. But I think there was also this idea that the rate of appreciation was going so high so quickly that people were trying to get in before they got outpaced. And so they paid, you know, there's, there's that expression, you'll pay tomorrow's price today. Well, they were paying like the summer's price in February because enough already, they were sick of it. And so people go in and blow it out of the water. I had a listing um, right at right when the market started to shift. These people paid, the people who bought it paid top, top dollar, like well beyond any, any price I had even mentioned to my clients. And then they've spent the last six months renovating. So, you know, there were people who were not spending from us, you know, not spending smart in that conventional way. But all we need to know is that if people who have the resources are willing to do it, and that's all you need to make a market is people with the resources, people with access to the resources willing to do it. There you go. And it doesn't matter what we say. Well, and at that point, we're going to go to a quick break. And when we come back, folks, I have more with Bryn Lackey and Dave Butler. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And if you're just tuning in, welcome back. Um, hey, by the way, my, my guests this hour, Bryn Lackey and Dave Butler. Dave is the broker owner of BM Select. Uh, you hear, hear him every single month here. And uh, actually, I'd like to say, I, I think, Bryn, I think we're almost getting you here every single month as well, which is great. So special. Yeah. Well, you know, it's great to have you. And, and by the way, Bryn is a realtor with Chestnut Park Realty as well. You can catch her columns in the Toronto Sun and... Uh, we were talking about a few of them a little bit earlier. Um, one more just for fun, uh, Bryn. So don't worry. I, 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 no, but it's all good. Hey, okay. it's all good. So one, one of the things that, um, and, and as, as most people know listening to the show, I am a huge, huge supporter of full-time professional agents. Okay. Um, you know, I've been... Preach. 
I've been licensed forever. Um, you know, back in the day where we had to do six copies of everything. So, you know, this, I'm telling everybody how old I am here. Um, but, you know, inexperienced realtors on social media giving industry a bad rep. You know, I got to tell you, looking at social media, some of the stuff I see, it's like, oh my goodness. You know, I, I'm just wondering why Rico's not jumping up and down on a few of these people. So what made you write the, uh, the article? Oh, I'm, I'm sure Dave can attest to this too. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I feel like a very old person lately. You know, I think that getting into this market, you kind of ha you're just handed business cards, go figure it out. And I think that once upon a time we did that by, you know, I would do open houses for anyone who would let me, I would, you know, I never knocked on doors. I probably should have, but, um, now you don't need to, if you don't have a marketing budget, you've got social media at your fingertips. All you need to do is fake it till you make it, which is the, you know, the tale is old as time, right? The stakes were a lot lower when you also were standing in front of someone and you didn't have a chance to edit and um, sort of package up your message. So now you've got these people, and I would say mortgage brokers, are, you probably have so, so many people out there screaming by the dip, yep. you know, <laughs> saying why, you know, here variable rate mortgages will never, like lots of promises made. And if you actually think about it from the perspective of financial services, those industries are heavily regulated. I'm fairly certain mortgage brokers, I think they need to have their license number in their profile. Yep, yep you do. So even though you've, and I'm sure you are sitting there looking at some people on social media going like, what in the hell are they talking about? Nice. And that's with their name attached to it. With real estate agents, they are not required to have their actual name. They do not have to mention their brokerage. They do not have to have their wow. number. There is zero oversight. And the issue is that Rico even, and for, you know, drilling down from that, Trev, all of these organizations who are supposed to be our oversight, they still are so focused on print media. So yeah. they're still, no, I don't even know what, it, I should look up to see what um, ad spend people spend now on direct mail. Like once upon a time, your mailbox would just be a stack of yep. real estate agents just listed, <laughs> just sold cards. Now people know that that's a really um, sort of idiotic way to spend your money. You might as well just throw $20 in the air with your num with your name on it and someone See, will call Hang you. on, hang on, hang on. I'm, I'm going to intervene here. Okay. Uh-oh. Hang on. No, 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 no. I, I understand what you're saying. But, you know, as as one of those old-fashioned realtors, yeah. Dave grew up in, in an area that I used to farm. And, you know, they got a piece of mail from me every single week. They got a scratch pad from me every single month. Yeah. I had a farm area of 50,000 doors. Meadowvale, Mississauga. Yeah, I was... Aaron Mills in Meadowvale was my... my my stomping ground. I um, I probably was carrying anywhere from twenty to fifty listings at any given time, okay. and the funny thing is, is that. I actually was just talking to a few brokerages and they were saying, you know, hey, Todd, what do you think you know, people should be doing now to, to get to get some uh, attraction? I said, you got to go old school. Old school yeah. You got to start remembering that, you know what, in your mailbox, I'll tell you what, this is the time of year. In fact, we did more mail outs coming into the new year because everybody else is taking time off. And so I used to hammer out, I, it was funny, Dave, I don't know if you remember, but you know, you'd go into a grocery store in the area, everybody had my scratch pads. They were making their, their Christmas lists. <laughs> yep. So I'd be standing, I'd be standing in, in, in a Longo's and somebody would look at me and look at their, look at their, their, their shopping list and go, you're him. Yeah. And it was... Those it, pads it, it were the best. Like, yeah. I, that was something that every every house had, and very few do. And now, the best is when I'll go into listing appointments and they've got another agent's calendar. Yeah. You know, like, the calendars <laughs> yeah. are still great. Yep. And I'm not disparaging it, even though I did. I'm sorry. Um, 
I think broadly speaking, though, we've kind of shifted that we, I, we because the thing with digital marketing, digital advertising is you can track it. You can see, you can really fine tune where it goes. You can align it with the data back end of who's looking for what, where, you know, like, do I want pet owners in Liberty Village? Well, I'm just going to send it directly to them. Right. Yeah, true. Where, so in that sense, we have a, lo a huge shift towards that because it can be targeted and really intentional. Um, that said, our organizing bodies have not caught up to the reality that that's how we're doing it. And especially when, you know, the irony is I filed this, this column and that evening, so I filed it on a Friday afternoon and that evening I got an email from Trev saying, okay, guys, like, let's look at our advertising guidelines. Yeah. And it was all <laughs> referring to, and they were talking about social media, but it was essentially referring to static posts yep. and static posts are fine. But given that where we're at now, video is really the move. We have a lot of people going on making supreme, supreme hot takes, you know, yeah. um, not, they've never read a paper. They have zero background in business or finance. They did not know who the Bank of Canada, like what the Bank of Canada was. Who was Tiff Macklem up until about seven months ago? Yeah. And yeah. they're out there telling people, you know what, buy the dip, prices have bottomed out, get out there, get shopping. In fact, one woman on social media who um, is my personal nemesis because every time I watch her stuff I feel like physical pain <laughs> she said that people who are renting right now are stupid oh, God. like anyone you are stupid if you're going to be scared by the media and it's like mm, okay, yeah. like there's a lot wrong with that that we could unpack but there is a whole lot of boldness that is empowered by getting to essentially be faceless and essentially when you've gotten it wrong and there are a couple very um, well known social media realtors who make really problematic takes and when they're proven to be wrong when they say there will not be another rate hike everything's fine and then there is another rate hike what can they do they just go delete it yeah. and so fine it is where we are do i think that it is a bit ridiculous that our, our, we don't have a policy to deal with that i do um and i think that even something as simple as pass it off to the brokerages i think that if you're if you because the brokerages are responsible for us the brokerages are who get fined when my open house sign is in the wrong spot for too long a period of time. If we punt it to them and say, we're gonna crack down on you, if your agents are out there doing harm to an industry and doing harm to the consumer, I think we'll start. Um, I think that that is the bare minimum. And then beyond that, I don't know anyone who works in any sort of financial service industry who, and you see it on Twitter, people who are like those macro experts, they're the ones saying to people like, hey, I'm not sure why you're giving financial advice. Like. Yes. I mean, Dave, you must, in your industry, and again, regulated in some similarities to, of course, being, you know, licensed realtors, um, you must see the same thing. Oh, I have a client. He's been a client. He was a client like 15 years ago, an investor and uh, regular guy, regular job, everything. And in the last couple of years, when things started going crazy, he, you know, he became one of these social media guys for investors. He's like, hey, I'm a real estate investor. I'm, I'll do coaching, da, da, da. You know what I mean? I just, this thing seemed to blow up in the last years. Everyone's a real estate investor. Everyone's a coach. People are like, <laughs> I quit my job. Don't work. Stop working. Be like me. Awesome I can, income. yeah, it was so, it was so, but this guy, all of a sudden, he's got a next post up. He's a mortgage, he's a mortgage agent and click on his thing below and you can set up a, uh, a meeting with him and everything else. And I'm just like, wow. And he's giving, uh, as you say, hot takes. Oh, is our interest rates getting you down? Don't worry. Interest rates aren't going to be like, and it's like, whoa, 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 dude, you've been doing this for five minutes. Like, what are you, what, what, what are you talking about? He's so, not looking at the bond yields. <laughs> uh, definitely. I don't even think he knows that the fixed rates are tied to the bond yields. Yeah. Quite honest with you. So, I mean, he's, but yeah, I mean, to back up what Bryn's saying, I, I, I think there needs to be, you know, 
there needs to be some type of you know, like manifestation of some rules here. You know what I mean? Because the, the and, and what I actually when you were when you were just saying that, I started to think in my mind. I'm like, wait a second, it kind of makes sense. Think about it. Though some of the older, I would say for us, you know, in our let's say 30s and 40s, we're considered older of this generation. Um, you know, we're maybe not on social media as much. I didn't have a social media account until 2019. Like I, I, I didn't even, I just worked. I, I had my head down the computer all day and I worked and finally I got a social media when I finally got some more time. Um, but these people are actually building their businesses on social media, which is crazy to me. Well, you know, one of the things I think that we can advise our listeners also is, you know, dive into, you know, some of these people and figure out if there's any kind of history to them. You know, like if you, you know, you can go back a long time on, on people like ourselves, you know, I mean, I've only been in real estate for about 30 years. Um, you know, Dave, you've been at it for 20. Okay. Brent, I know you're a little newer, but not that new. I mean, I'm just been, so fresh and young. Yeah. It's fresh. <laughs> but the point, the point is, is that, you know, I think, I think if you're going to listen to, to professionals, you got to figure out, are they truly professionals? And with that thought, guess what we're going to do? We're going to go to a quick break, but I'm going to be back with Bryn Lackey and Dave Butler. So stay with us. We'll be right back. And welcome back. You know, it's amazing how quickly the show goes when, especially when I've got everybody right here with me in the uh, Simple Podcast studio. So, so awesome to have my guests joining me this entire hour. Bryn Lackey, uh, she is with Chestnut Park as well. You'll catch her articles in the Toronto Sun. Dave Butler, BM Select, broker owner. And, um, you know, just before the break, you know, we were, we were hammering away a little bit on, on the social media aspect of things. And, you know, I kind of want to tell people buyer beware, like, you know, if you can't if you can't really show a track history there you know maybe you don't want to take advice from some of these people you know i i dave you know in and and you did mention you know there's people they they hop in and all of a sudden they become real estate investors and now they want to coach people and they want to sit there and then they go into being a mortgage broker and then of course can't forget that they also probably a realtor so you know they, they wear so many hats you know and and it's funny you know when i when i started the simple investor you know as as most of our listeners know i you know i had a great real estate career I literally, um, when I decided to be the simple investor and only focus on investment, real estate and property management, I reached out to my broker and I said, Hey, it's been real. And he's like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm done. I just sent out a letter to 2,500 of my past clients saying, don't refer me. Don't do anything. I'm, I'm finished. And he, he's like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> right. And I said, yeah, I'm never going to sell another house again. And I never did. I just 100% committed to being uh, in property management, investment, real estate. You know, here we are 14 years later. And, you know, it's one of those things that I think that if people are going to hold themselves out as professionals, they got to have the chops to do it. And Bryn, you know, when, when you wrote that article, I think, I think you really do recognize that there's so many people in, you know, the real estate industry that they call themselves professionals, but they, they definitely don't have any reason to do it. You know, and I, I feel badly because we all start somewhere, right? You know, I'm trying not to just dunk on people who are trying to make a change because I, you know, I came from teaching. I started, I had no idea what I was doing. You know, thankfully I got mentored by an established agent. And I will say that I think we're speaking of a broader issue, which is we have an industry problem. We mint these agents and then say, okay, go do it. But actually, if you're essentially just setting them free and saying, okay, figure it out, some will sink, some will swim. And we don't have actually any guidelines with what brokerages are required to do for these agents about mentorship, about um, oversight, about any of those things. So 
is it ridiculous to me that sometimes I'll be doing a deal and I cannot get the other agent on the phone during business hours? And does LinkedIn reveal to me that they have a day job? Yes. <laughs> and is that is that brutal? Absolutely. And I'm sad for their clients because you're you're not really serving your client if it's not 100% of your focus. Even when things are quiet for me, I'm still working every single day. And I think that for people to just treat this like a day job is is a not you know not a full day job like just a yeah. part of a day job is a problem. But I think that it speaks more broadly to the fact that there is such a sink or swim mentality here. And a lot of people to get into this business, you're not going to do a deal for ages. You won't even, I joked about how like for my, for the first little bit, even just the cost of my open house signs were more than I made in my first whatever. Yeah. Right. So it, until we can actually figure out how to get people who are in the right position to be starting off, this is unfortunately what we're going to see. So Dave, I, you know, I, I always, you know, when I was with uh, Remax, I did a lot of training with them. And one of the things that we recognize is that the, you know, agents first year, normally friends and family, when you burn through all those and you, and you lease your Mercedes, you know, <laughs> you don't have enough money to, to put into a proper marketing program and, and, and really take it to the next level. So normally it's year two and three, like you have a few people, they swing for the fences out of the gate. And then all of a sudden you see this huge fall off. I would imagine not dissimilar to the mortgage industry. Yeah, we see it the same. I mean, you know what? It's we it's I got a lot of the part-timers, honestly, with mortgage. I've I can't tell you how many people in the last two years. I just, I'd have even friends of mine, like even friends of my my fiance, just call me, hey, yeah, you, you seem like you're doing well. Like, I don't know, I got some time. I want to get into mortgages. And they would and the best part is they'd be like, but the good news is I'm already in the course and it's so easy. I'm gonna pass it. And so it goes back to what you're saying, Brynn. Like, I think it's in my opinion, I think it's, first of all, with mortgages, I can't speak to the real estate exam, but I think it's just way too easy yep. to get into mortgages. <laughs> We've chatted. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's in, in, you know, like this gentleman I was telling you about, I mean, it, it probably took a, 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 a one week. I think you can actually take a one week crash course of like six hours. Like, honestly, what are you really retaining? You know, and those courses aren't teaching you how to be a mortgage broker. I mean, if anything, they're teaching you theory and how to fill up paperwork correctly and like, you know, how did a mortgage become and just like history of, but it, like, what is that going to do for you? So, um, yeah, I mean the, the, and, and honestly, the training is abysmal. And I mean, it, it, I'll even go back to, we get calls all the time. Every probably week I get one or two emails from someone that's just about to pass the mortgage broker courses. Oh, I've heard you on the radio or I've heard about my mortgage or you know, whatever. And they'll say, I want to, I want to join your squad. And point blank, I tell them, unfortunately, we do not have training. We are just a high volume boutique brokerage. We do not have the training for you necessary. So here, I'm going to give you the contact for a guy at a big brokerage who they actually have what's called like it's Dominion, Dominion yep. University. Sure. And you'll actually be able to learn there. But the, this is, I fend these off at least 50 times a year, right? Of just people that just want to join and they think it's easy. And they're even, and I've even, the ones that I've even said, I don't have the training for you. They say, well, no, I'll just, I'll come in and I'll learn from you. And it's like, no, no, I really don't have the training. You, this is, I had to learn from my dad for nine months straight. Okay. <laughs> to learn it, when I was in my early twenties before I felt even comfortable calling a client. Right. So like, it's, how can you just, you're going to go start at a brokerage and all of a sudden you're going to do your friends and family. And, and I think part of the reason why they screw up and they can't make their payments in second, third year, because they went, they screwed up their friends and family's mortgages and now no one wants to work with them after that. Right. So well, it's, it's true, you know, and they, they kind of burn through their list and then there's nobody else to play with. So no, I mean, look at all, all valid points, you know, and again, back to, back to my, my usual narrative. And I, and I try to focus on this is the fact that, you know what, I, I always believe that there should be a level of professionalism. I think there should be a level of commitment 
you know, if you're going to be, you know, I, I, I'm not a big fan of somebody that says, oh, yeah, I do three or four deals a year. It means you're not going to represent your clients properly. And I know, I know there's a few people out there that, uh, you know, don't always like my narrative on this. But, you know, talking to some of the brokers recently, you know, one of my suggestions was because, look, when, when a market shifts down, we know that we have a natural attrition. People will start disappearing, right? So the, the, the quick buck artists are gone. They don't want to pay the dues. They don't want to pay the fees. I've actually made the suggestion, Bryn, to a couple brokers that I think that, you know, to carry your license instead of a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars a year for like your area and, and, and Korea fees and things like that, I think you should jack it to ten thousand. I think that what we do is we just make it so expensive that the only the top people who are actually gonna write the business are the ones who can afford to do it. I think if you turn around and crank your fees, look, means the boards will all get their money. Like, you know, they always have a threshold of how much money they want to get every single year. I'll tell you what, drop fifty percent of the people out, but raise it by, you know, ten thousand dollars. I guarantee the boards are going to also do a better job. Well, and that naturally aligns actually with investment banking. And, you know, the fees are quite prohibitive. And the way that it works is you go with a team or you go with someone who's already established and you work for them. You know, it might naturally lead to, I, you mentioned this to me once and I mentioned it to a couple of my colleagues. They were aghast, <laughs> you know, like, what are you talking about? But I, I think it solves kind of an existential crisis we're having, which is if we can't, if we have all of these sort of rusty nails driving the quality down it hurts us and it beyond that it hurts the consumer and it erodes trust in all of us and i think that then we're we're really if we think that's going to cause an existential crisis what happens when people hate us so much that they would rather take their luck with like a redfin or like a real estate tech um and because we know that if that could work it would have worked by now but you know people will just take their shot over there because they're so sick of us and I'm sick of us. Right? <laughs> and uh, on that note, folks, uh, um, you know what? I, uh, I do want to thank both of you uh, for coming in to the studio today. It's, it's been an awesome discussion and um, folks, uh, you know, what a great day with Bryn Lackey and Dave Butler, as usual, uh, joining me here. And hopefully everybody's kind of getting a better perspective of what is going on in the real estate market. Again, you know, this is one of the things you got to do your homework, deal with professionals. This is one of the things that we're always going to encourage here at the show. And uh, by the way, if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can, The Simple Investor One. I do want to thank everybody for tuning in as usual this week. I do want to thank Omar in the studio for keeping it simple for me as my producer. Uh, we'll throw out a hey to Ian Grant um, at uh, News Talk 1010. He's going to keep it simple for us every single week, as he's done now for 10 years. That's right. I can't believe I've actually been on the air here for 10 years. This was, uh, you know, kind of a cool thing to be, figure out that we've been doing this for that long. And on top of that, I do want to thank you for making us the number one real estate talk show. And of course, I'll be back next Sunday as usual at noon. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010 Toronto.